On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. And uh, on this uh, July 5th, uh, yesterday, July 4th, at the uh, International Jazz Festival in Montreal, I had a chance to see Alan Parsons. Terrific show. Just great, great, great musicianship. I do have an Alan Parsons interview coming up for you uh, shortly, next couple of days. Uh, Today, though, we have Carl Palmer. And his uh, Carl Palmer's ELP Legacy is currently on tour on the Royal Affair Tour with Yes, uh, and of course with Steve Howe, Asia, and John Lodge of the Moody Blues. And of course, Asia has a new lineup that features former Guns N' Roses guitarist and friend Ron Bumblefoot Thal now. Uh, Ron, man, you deserve it. What what a great, great uh, gig for you to have. And uh, during the interview with Carl, and, and listen for this, folks, Ron texts me and says, you know, if, if you want to bust his balls, you should ask him this question. And so I did. So in the middle of the interview, you know, we're talking about uh, the ELP live album that they recorded in Montreal. We're talking about the uh, 50th anniversary tour that's coming up and the Royal Affair tour and all this stuff. And I just asked him this very random, random question. And he was like, oh, <laughs> all right. And so uh, anyway, listen for that. Um Boy, just uh, when you speak of of great drummers in the world, uh, Carl, man, that guy, what an incredible, incredible talent. So I will get over to Carl, but before that, I'm going to play you not one, but two songs uh, today on uh, the front of the episode. We are going to play the uh, Carl Palmer Band doing the song Welcome Back. Uh, and then right after that, we are going to get into the interview with Carl. It's, it, it's a good half-hour interview. And I'm going to play out the interview. Usually, you know, I say bye-bye and you hear the uh, outro. Uh, you're listening to Rock Talk. Won't do that today. Well, I will. But before that, I will play the song Hoedown from the Carl Palmer Band. Uh, before you uh, head over to all of this, uh, do check me out on my socials, at Mitch Lafon on Twitter at Mitch underscore LaFawn on Instagram, Facebook, Mitch LaFawn. There's also a Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn on Facebook. And yes, folks, if you want a t-shirt, a delightful, glorious t-shirt that says Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn with, and let's say it together because you've heard me say it before, artwork designed by who? That is right, Claudio Bergman, who has designed what? That is right, the artwork for Judas Priest's firepower uh, cover so uh, the Judas Priest Firepower cover artist uh, also designed my T-shirts and that to me is the epitome of cool. Or or if you ask Shia LaBeouf as he was doing his uh, Transformers, um, I think it was Transformers press uh, junkets, he would say 
it was the epitome. So, um, yes, these are the epitome of t-shirts. <clears throat> Thank you, Shy. Uh, anyway, uh, folks, here is, oh, and, and I, I'll say this. So just real quick, uh, in case you missed it, um, Carl Parman, we talk about the Royal Affair Tour, the new lineup of Asia, the um, uh, re-releases by of the ELP catalog by BMG. There is the Carl Palmer's Prague Rog Camp that takes place this November in Philadelphia. And by this November, I mean 2019, just in case you're listening to this in 2020 or beyond. Uh, so here is the song, Welcome Back. And we will welcome back Carl Palmer right after that. Here we go.
We are speaking with the legendary drummer, Carl Palmer. Carl, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Very, very much appreciated uh, to speak to you as well. Very, uh, very happy to be talking to you for the very first time. Yes, absolutely. Now, of course, uh, you are on tour with um, Asia. Yes, the John yes, Lodge Band. We've got, yes, we've got, um, we've got, it's called the, um, the Royal Affair, which uh, features, yes, Steve Howe, Alan White, yes, with Asia, which uh, is the new uh, lineup of Asia, with Billy Sherwood on bass, who was with us in 2017. Um, he replaced John you know, when John suddenly died, unfortunately, at the beginning of that tour. And uh, we now have um, Ron Fowl on lead vocals and on lead guitar. So we are now complete as a new Asia. Uh, we're playing some tracks from mainly the first album. There's a few um, heritage tracks in there, like Video Killed the Radio Star, like uh, Lucky Man. Um, roughly 50 minutes we're playing. After that, you've got John Lodge, who's obviously doing a selection of uh, songs from the Moody Blues period, uh, songs which you know he wrote, um, some of the hits there, My Seesaw and things like that just a singer in a rock and roll band. So that's quite a, a nice sort of set he's got going, roughly 35 minutes. And then you've got uh, Carl Palmer's ELP Legacy, and uh, we are playing 35 minutes as well. So it's about four hours of music when you count Yes, who play for, I think, just over the sort of hour 50 minutes, just under the two hours. Um, with the Legacy, with the Carl Palmer Legacy that opens the set, we, uh, we're featuring things like Welcome Back, My Friends, um, Knife Edge, uh, and we're featuring a track called Fire, and the vocalist, the guest vocalist, is Arthur Brown from the crazy world of Arthur Brown. That was a group that I first came to America with in 1968. We had a number one single and album at the same time, so Arthur is guesting with, uh, with my band. Uh, we've got Paul Bielitovich on guitar, and um, we've got a replacement bass player just for this tour, uh, David Pastoris. Uh, Simon Fitzpatrick is at home because his wife was having a baby, so he could make it out on this tour. So we start, we start the set um, with a classic ELP piece, Welcome Back. That runs 35 minutes into John Lodge with the various hits uh, from the Moody's period, going on to uh, Asia, uh, which... You know, we're playing anything from everything from Heat of the Moment, Only Time Will Tell, Soul Survivor, Don't Cry. We're even opening up with a track called Go, which was on the third album, I believe. So, a second album. So, that's quite an interesting 50 minute set. And then there's a short break. Um, and then Yes Come On. And they're playing, well, they're playing everything actually from Roundabout through to a piece called Delirium. Um, so, yeah, it's an unusual bill. Uh, it's taken some time to put this together and get all this amount of talent on one bill and agreeing to do it at the same time. But overall, it's, uh, it's incredibly rewarding from a musical standpoint. There's a lot of history there and an awful lot of hits being played, you know, not just with um, Asia, not just with Yes, but from John Lodge and um, from the ELP period, you know, Fanfare for the Common Man, Lucky lucky man and things. So um, for somebody who's really into music and understands that period of time, uh, they're getting the best of everything in the one show. 
So very happy to be doing it, actually, and enjoying every moment of it. Yeah, in fact, let me let me just take you back to 1968, because that's the year that I was born, and so it's important to me, but you are... Yes. You are brought in as sort of the the replacement drummer in the crazy world of Arthur Brown, then becoming the the permanent drummer. Talk to me about yes. that that call and and being brought in, you know, on a moment's notice. And all right, you're in. Let's let's learn these songs. Let's do this tour. Talk to me about that moment and and how how. Uh, yeah. Well, on the on the album that was made, there were several musicians. Some of them like weren't listed. Um, due to the way the, the actual, I've heard from Arthur since, due to the way the box was labelled, you know, nobody was absolutely, absolutely sure who was on what track. It was being produced by a gentleman called Kit Lambert at the time, Track Records, and I think the original drummer was Jake Drayson Seeker. There was another drummer called John Heisman or John Marshall. So there were various musicians there. I think Arthur and Vincent were the... Uh, main people that were there all the time. I had to sort of played with Arthur, and what had happened was um, they came into America. They ran into problems with their with the band and and their drummer, who was Dracian Seeker at the time. And they called me. Obviously, they they knew me because of doing some work together beforehand. And it was the the tour manager Mel Baster who gave me the call, who I'd worked with in. Uh, with, a group called Chris Farlow's uh, Chris Farlow and the Thunderbirds. Chris Farlow was a soul singer in England who had a number one hit by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. And I was in his group, and Mel Baster was a tour manager. He became the tour manager for Arthur, and that was the connection there. So they called me and asked me to come over. I was a little bit concerned. Anyway, I did, and on my arrival, the, the album and the single were... Uh, at the top of the charts, and I think within a week or two, uh, the album and single were both number one at the same time. And I proceeded to play the, the television shows that we, we did, the Tom Jones show, we did various top of the pop, um, which I did before they all left to come to America. Um, and then I, I joined the tour, which was about to start, and uh, that was it, really. And that was all. That was all in that very early '68 period. Yeah, what a great period. And and I, I will get back to the Royal Affair tour in a second. But I want to ask you this: uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer forms yes. in 1970. Next year, 2020, makes it 50 years. What are sort of the plans yes. in terms of 50 year? anniversary celebrations well it's funny that you ask that question because we are just looking at um the situation right now um with one company in particular but we're obviously investigating all possibilities relating to this we were thinking of involving uh my group carl palmer's elp legacy involving this group within a hologram setup involving greg and keith having two holograms on stage um the idea was something that got put to me and I thought it would, would work really well because very rare do you see two holograms on stage uh, and we could work it out musically where my group plays X amount of music, I play with just Greg and Keith and uh, we could put together a show which would be sort of kind of a historical from the point of view of the career of Emerson, Lake and Palmer. We'd be able to cover all of the bases and all of the great moments musically, whether it be pictures at an exhibition, Tarkas or whatever, or that very first album. So that's being talked about and we're seriously trying to plan that now. 
Um, that's something which has happened in the last few weeks. So it's still in its sort of embryonic stage, as it were. Um, but it is something that will, uh, will be followed through. And we seem to have a lot of interest around it. Obviously, that would be something that would be toured on a global level um, and uh, would appear in America as well as in Europe, as well as in England and Japan and all the markets where ELP were uh, very well known. So um, that will be quite an exciting period for me. Yeah, and and I'm looking forward to that coming out. Now, of course, you do have Ron, uh, us rock fans know him as Ron Bumblefootfall, but he he has joined the band. He's doing a terrific job. I mean, I've only had a chance to see YouTube videos for now, but talk to me about recruiting Ron, because he does come from sort of the hard rock, heavy metal world with Guns N' Roses and stuff. What does he bring to Asia, and, and what did you see in him when you said, okay, that's our guy? Well, I think, first of all, you know, what's always important, to get the, the actual the timber of the voice right, to get the voice. Uh, and he had that, you know, there was no doubt about that. The voice was in the right register, the right range um, for, for him. And he can sing, obviously, a lot higher than that, a lot louder than that or whatever, but he could actually interpret the songs exactly the way they were recorded. That was the first thing. And I think when you deal with you know, a certain amount of hits, whether they be just radio hits or things like Only Time Will Tell, Soul Survivor, Heat of the Moment, um, Don't Cry, which were genuine top 10 hits. You've got to try and produce the sound as accurately as possible, which he did straight away in the vocal. Obviously, there was no question about his guitar playing. That wasn't even questioned. It was just whether or not it would sit with him and he would enjoy doing it as well as us enjoy playing with him. We would all enjoy representing these songs again in a new way and basically trying to restart the group and represent the music as honestly as possible, um, which he has done, which has been great for us. And it's obviously been something which we want to pursue for the future and obviously make more of that and and carry on uh, as a band Asia in some formal format, you know, and that will happen after this tour. So um, it was some big boots to fill and and Ron filled them and, and that was it really. There's not a lot more to say. It worked. When something works, it kind of answers itself. And if you've seen YouTube, you'll see that uh, everything is working remarkably well. It is. Now, Now, as we're talking, Ron just texted me. He says to ask you how Bruce's driving is. <laughs> Bruce's driving is um, it's, uh, what we call the white... It's what we call the white knuckle drive. And uh, so far, um, you know, the crash helmets are still under the seat. That's not to say we won't be using them along with the blankets that we've provided everyone with. Um, but it's working okay. It's definitely working okay at the moment. That's funny. Um, but, but, but real quick, you mentioned that uh, there's a future for Asia. Does that include new music? Do, do you see yourself as this lineup getting into a studio and saying, okay? Yes. Okay. I- Yes, I think, you know, you just have to wait for that to come along. I think it has to happen organically. Um, This tour is something where everyone is settling into their roles and everybody, I'm sure, will have something to say after the tour, how they felt. And then the next step will be exactly like you say, we would look into that. It's really early to start planning that because it's it's a new beginning and it it takes time to sort of settle that in, you know. Uh, As you know, also, there is a, a problem that, Ron has got his own career. Jeff has got a career in, in uh, Yes, and, and I've got a career with my band. We've been going over 15 years now. So we have to sort of get the timing right for everyone. 
to the question that you should have asked is, do I think it's right to move forward and carry on? Yes, I do. And yes, I think that will happen. As of when and what will be done, I just can't tell you that because it is slightly early in time. But yes, it's, uh, it's something that we will definitely we will be pursuing. Oh, good. And, and, and if anything, at least that may be a live album to get to capture what's going on well, right I, now. Yeah, I think I think that that's always possible, you know. Um, new material is always something one strives for, and that will be looked at. I think the everything there's no closed doors; it's an open book. So you know, we will look at everything. We will look at absolutely everything. I mean, we we are looking up doing a, like a history of Asia anyway as a film. We have lots of documentary, which has already been recorded. There's lots of videos, so you know, maybe we can now summarize it all up and say this is the new beginning and uh, end this film or documentary whatever we make with the band that we have now so that would solidify that situation so th- th- there's a lot on the table it's just the timing and uh, this too is quite hectic as you can imagine so we need to get through this first before we start making uh you know planning anything for the future though we're talking it's just a matter of when where and how um, speaking of, of in concert and, and live stuff, I'm in Montreal. Uh, you recorded, of course, Emerson, Lake and Palmer's in concert at the Olympic Stadium. In fact, the day before my ninth birthday. Uh, talk to me about choosing that venue and, and, and that album, because it has been become sort of synonymous with great live albums. The, the album cover of the, you know, the, the hollowed out big O is, is, is quite something to see. Um, how did you sort of come about saying, all right, we're going to go do this in Montreal? Well, to be honest with you, I mean, we lived in Montreal for about six months, rehearsing the orchestra, um, selecting the players, selecting the crew, getting the production together. Uh, we even were writing some music there and making demos as well. It was a complete package of time, which was, in, you know, basically ELP concentrated. The actual stadium itself, um, the, the person who was running the stadium at the time was connected to a local newspaper, or I say running the stadium. There was somebody who was connected to a local newspaper who had connections within the stadium. And our first question was, could we make a video there? And we made one of the first videos, as you know, of the group playing uh, in the stadium. Probably one of the first videos anyway. And that was fanfare for the common man. And that was in the snow. And we figured this would be a lovely setting, and we made that video, and that's well known, and there's not much more I can tell you about that. Uh, what happened was that kind of followed through that conversation into um, could we sell the um, Olympic Stadium out? Could we, could we actually play a concert and sell it out there? Well, the answer was yes at the time, and we did play to 78,000 people, which was, you know, kind of mind-boggling at the time with the orchestra with Godfrey Salmon uh, being the conductor and that was really the same connection again saying could we come in and play in the summer we've filmed in the winter we'd like to film now and record in the summertime which we did do Uh, and that worked out uh, remarkably well the only thing that happened there which went against us the actual soundtrack for the orchestra and group was not really of the best quality. It was a good quality, but we had two 24 tracks, one for the orchestra and one for the group. On the day, approximately 10, 15 minutes before the show started, there was a problem with the orchestra, with the desk for the orchestra. So um, there was a power surge. There was a problem. 
It was to do with the building and the desk went down. Luckily enough, the group desk, which was another 24 track, didn't get disturbed. So we were running out of time to try and find this problem because there are strict curfews there and we had to start on time. So what happened was we got four channels, two stereo pairs, and we gave four channels from the group desk to the orchestra. So that's how the orchestra was recorded, not on its own 24 track. The, the um, problem was never solved. All that uh, we managed to find out was that something had happened to the multi-core from the actual desk to the stage, and something wires had either split or something had shorted out, whether it was to do with, um, you know, just wear and tear or just unlucky, but we couldn't get the desk going. We could not uh, solve that problem in the time given. So the easiest way out and the only way out was to do what I've just mentioned to you. So that concert was a little bit on the, um, uh, on the danger side, but we got the recording, we got some filming out of it, and we did what we wanted to do, and we, we completed it. So that was the main thing. Yeah, and, and listen, it, it it turned out great. We, we certainly love it in this part of the world. Um, BMG has has taken over or, or has been re-releasing the ELP catalog, including the uh, Fanfare 24-disc box set back in, I guess, 2017. Uh, talk to me about them and, and these albums being re-released and, and, and them having their, their hand on it and really sort of working the catalog again. So BMG have always been a company that... Uh, both Greg and Keith and myself wanted to be with. And by the time we got um, round to being with them, unfortunately, Greg and Keith, um, you know, they ended up having various problems in 2016. In other words, both of them dying. And BMG, you know, had come into the play and we'd already started working on the box set, which obviously Greg and Keith never got to see personally. Um, the box set, which was a, an absolute um, uh, work of art as far as you were concerned. The relationship with BMG has always been very solid. They, they've always wanted to have a group like ELP, believe it or not. Um, that's one of their main things. They're very strong in Europe, owning RTL, television station. They've got their own book publishing. They've just been very strong in the record world as well, you know, on a global level. So this to us was a dream come true, uh, but unfortunately there wasn't a group anymore. So we decided um, to complete this box set. Unfortunately, Greg and Keith didn't see it. The box set sold incredibly well. We only printed up 3,000 of them, but it, at the time it was like 150 pounds. You know, it was well into sort of a $180 range or whatever. So... That went incredibly well, and we've just carried on with them working on projects. The latest one, which has been released, is the four vinyls. There's a vinyl box set. As you know, vinyls have become very popular over the last sort of like four or five years. And even in the last two years, the vinyl sales have gone up up to 30 40%. So we decided to produce four vinyls, some new artwork. When I say new artwork, artwork that relates to the period of time related to the music. And um, we put that out, and uh, that's been selling remarkably well. Uh, and there's even talk of uh, an idea now that I had um, for next year on record day, sometime in April, we'll release a box set of singles. As you know, ELP had many singles. Um, people tend, tend to forget about the Still You Turn Me On, Celevi from the beginning, Footprints in the Snow, Fanfare for the Common Man, Lucky Man. We had a lot of singles which were 
top 10 material. So we're thinking of putting a box set together with that and um, possibly putting the album box set, which we've just released, and the single box set together at some stage. And for us, it's, um, it's been great working with a company that's very keen to, to work things out, to get the right photos, to cover the right period of time, and, and to do a professional job. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And we'll, um, we'll, we'll be with DMG for a long time. There's no doubt about that. We're definitely talking about the future and what we can do together. And uh, there are some, still some live recordings we might release, um, which were in the original box set. There was two recordings in there, live recordings, which hadn't been released. There are another couple, but um, obviously me being the only one left, I need to have a listen to them and just see if they are worthy of release. But, yeah, the future looks rosy in that area as far as ELP and um, BMG are concerned. Oh, I, I can't wait. And uh, I, I will uh, mention this. You have the uh, Carl Palmer pa- Prague Rock Camp coming up. You've recently announced Derek Sherinian to to the lineup. Talk to me about yes. that. That is coming up in, um, when is it, November? Coming up in November 8th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. It's at the Arena, 2300 Arena in Philadelphia. It's a three-day event. We've got we've got uh, quite a lot going on there. Also, Ron is um, he's doing a guitar workshop there, guitar workshop, along with Paul Bielatovich, who's in my band. He's he's uh, got a workshop. Uh, Simon Fitzpatrick will be there, the original bass player and uh, Chapman Stick uh, player, who will be giving workshops. I will give a master class. There will be Derek Sheridan, who will be performing and playing keyboards, giving private lessons and and obviously a general workshop. There will be a concert in the evening, which one of the evenings on the Saturday, which will feature um, the ELP Legacy Group. And there'll be uh, an hour and a half of concert, and we'll play such pieces as Tarkas and what have you, and a lot of music from the the ELP catalogue. There's also an ELP film, which hasn't been seen, from South America, roughly about an hour, 20 minutes, hour, 15 minutes, and there's various talks to do with the business of music, um, to do with uh, motivation and this and that. And there's various sponsors which are going to be set up and at the event. Um, I will be there every day, you know, mingling with the people and just sort of um, just, just checking it all out. The actual facility itself is perfect. We've got, uh, we've got a, a great hotel just down the road, a shuttle service. We've got good catering on the premises. So all in all, along with the films, along with the, the concert, and, you know, there'll be a situation created where musicians can play together and there'll be that kind of jamming sort of stuff going on or possibly even learning a piece of music. Uh, we're just putting the actual timetable together now, but it'll be a very full Friday, late afternoon through to the evening, full-on day Sunday, Saturday, and then Sunday, it'll probably go through till about four o'clock in the afternoon, something like that. And it's open to everyone. We've now got a situation where if you're in the Philly area and you can travel in and out, then we've got a special rate for people who can just do that to save them staying at the hotel. So it's an open book. And also, you know, if somebody wants to come along and bring their girlfriend, then there's, we've worked it out where they can do that. They don't have to pay the full amount of money. Basically, we're just trying to make it as nice of an experience as possible, get everyone 
the uh, the possibility of coming and, and just doing what they want to do, you know. So it should be it should be interesting. Obviously, it's the first one we've ever done, and we're trying to uh, give as much uh, well value as what we possibly can, and as much sort of related as, as we possibly can to music. And this is just not like a situation where you go along and you play with a rock star and you get your picture taken. We really want to give as much education out and help and knowledge and make it as interesting as possible. I mean, I want it to be as successful as we can make it so we can even, uh, you know, we can reproduce this another year. So that's the main sort of uh, object here. And, and I think it will be because there'll be enough variety in the three days to interest everyone from playing guitar, lead guitar, Chapman stick, drums, or if you just want to come to a concert, which is open to the outside public, which will be interesting. And, you know, there might be some guests on that as well, which we'll have, which I'll keep a secret right now. So all in all, I think it'll be a great few days, a great three days. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it'll be great too. And, and for fans that are interested, head over to carlpalmer.com. There's a registration form that you can find there and it's just going to be fantastic. And and I'll end on this today. That first Asia album, it has stood the test of time. The bill, the, 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 it does, you know, Billboard just loved it. The fans loved it. Just quickly talk to me about that first album and, and why has it just been so revered? I mean, it it is the perfect album, correct? Well, I think, to be honest with you, there was a balance which we managed to create on that first album, which satisfied the people who liked prog music and also satisfied radio because we had hits. When you have pieces like Wildest Dreams and Time Again, it, it just gives a little more depth to the actual music than having the straight-ahead sort of pop song. Listen, to, to write a pop song and a song that will go into the charts and be sung by everyone is incredibly difficult. And there's only so many people in the world who can actually do that and pull it off, pull it off time and time again. We managed to have a balance on that album, which we probably didn't reach on the second and third album because we went a bit too commercial. But that first album is perfectly balanced with tracks like Heat of the Moment, Only Time Will Tell, a slightly harder range like Soul Survivor. Then you kind of proggy tracks like Wildest Dreams and Only Time Will Tell. So the balance really went through a lot of people and they could get it. So if you weren't into things like Only Time Will Tell, uh, Heat of the Moment, which were the MTV tracks of the day, let's call it that, you definitely had three or four other tracks that you could listen to uh, and get the message of Asia because we all came from those proggy bands, whether it be King Crimson, Yes, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, or whatever. So I think the album was well balanced for that period of time and the technology and the, the way the media was developing. The media was de developing mainly through MTV and that was it. And we managed to latch on to that and keep a certain amount of the old fans who followed us in our previous bands interested as well. You know, quite a hard thing to do, to be honest with you. And it just worked. The timing was right, the record company was right, and the, and the music was spot on. Um, and that's what makes that work, really. Yeah, it really does. And of course, the uh, Royal Affair tour runs until the end of, uh, well, to the end of July. Folks, go check yes. it out. Carl, an absolute pleasure, and uh, just thank you. And thank you for all the music over the years. It has been... Uh, no, no, you're more, yeah. you're more than uh, more than grateful to have done the interview. Thank you. 
so much, and thanks for your support as well. Yeah, absolutely, and hopefully we will see one of the bands you're in in Montreal at some point. It's been a while, and, and we need you back up here. Well, uh, we will definitely be working on a Canadian tour. We are looking at that now to see what we can do. Uh, I think, you know, as far as CPL is concerned, my group and Asia, we definitely want to look into that. And we have been trying for some time to sort out uh, a proper uh, Canadian tour where we go there and play as many of the main towns as what we can, you know, cities that we can. So that is something that's always on the table. It's just a case of getting it done. But I believe the future you'll see, you will see Asia and CPL in, uh, in Canada in the very near future. Oh, that's for sure. That is fantastic. And as we say in Montreal, uh, merci beaucoup. Thank you so much. And uh, there we go. Uh, thank merci. you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. You take care. You too now. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.
You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Rock Talk. 